Good morning. It's so great to be back. I've been on vacation for two weeks. Two weeks. I know. Shocking, isn't it? Um, although, I, I must confess, getting onto vacation was more difficult than I imagined, and then re-entry is also a bit difficult. But here's, here's what I believe. I, I believe that we ought to be practicing the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath is one of the big ten. Are you aware of this? The Ten Commandments? It's actually the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. Um, there's something about taking rest. There's something about taking time away. And I, I did have to evaluate whether or not I should do a couple of weeks. I had my 19th wedding anniversary. Uh, yeah. So my wife and I got a couple of days away from the children. Because <laughs> you all know that family vacations aren't really vacations. Those are, those are just work in another realm. And so, um, so but we got a couple of, a few days away uh, with my beautiful bride, who looks lovelier than the day I met her. And so, uh, but I, 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 I wasn't sure if I should do it. You know, our church is 10 months old, technically. You know, t- 10 months ago, we launched here in, in, in this movie theater on September 12th, and uh, our church being that young, I wasn't sure if I should take time because there's a lot going on around here and a lot still needs to be done. And I, I realized that this, in some ways, it was probably a little test for me because the question is whether or not we believe Jesus is building his church or if I'm building it. And I, I, I it's amazing to me. Here I am. You know, I missed last week. I heard Marty did an incredible job. And... Um, and it was great. We have, a, we have a great team of people. It's not just about me. I come back this week, and, and here you are. You're still here. <laughs> and uh, so, so I, I think it's a fundamental decision about what kind of church we're going to have, whether we're going to have a church that's built on one man or whether we're going to have a church that's built on God's people working together with him and him building his church inside of us and adding people to us as he wants to. And I, 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 think, I think that's who we want to be. That's, that's the type of church we want to be. We want to be the type of church that believes in rest. I am not the type of pastor that thinks you have to be in church every time the doors are open. No, I like it when you're here. I, I don't like it when you're not here. But, 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 I, but I think there are, there's a, 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 an element of health that we all need to embrace we need to practice Sabbath, and it, I confess, I'm not as good as, it, as, I, as I should be, and you're probably not either. Take vacation, take Sabbath, do what you need to do to rest. Let me tell you this, just about Sabbath, it's a moment where you're just you. You're not producing anything, you're not making anything happening, happen, and God's happy with you that way. He's okay with you taking a Sabbath and not trying to produce more, and realizing that he is the one who produces for you. End of sermon number one. Uh, let's pray, uh, and then we'll turn our Bibles and prepare uh, to continue this morning. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you that it is rich, it is powerful, it is sharp, it divides between soul and spirit, it breathes into us, and so Spirit of the living God, would you illuminate our hearts and minds as we read, as we share, as we talk? Would you open it up to us and help us to receive from you? We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. 
verse 4. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. We'll start there today. As you know, we're in a series called Numa. Numa is a Greek word that means spirit in the New Testament. And, uh, and we're subtitling the series, Unlocking the Mystery of the Holy Spirit. Unlocking the Mystery of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a mystery to many people. We're often very comfortable with the Father, our Father God, praying to our Father. Jesus taught us to do that. We're, we're comfortable with that. We're often very comfortable with the idea of Jesus and what his work was on the cross, that he sacrificed his, his death for our life and him rising from the dead in resurrection power. We're, we get that. But somehow the Holy Spirit seems elusive sometimes. He's here. He's present among us. The Bible says we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. He lives within us, and we, but we wrestle sometimes to understand his role. We wrestle to understand who he is. Some people are actually nervous about him. You start talking about the Holy Spirit, and they get nervous. They're not sure exactly what to think or what to say. They've had some history, or they've been hurt by things that have been said or done in the name of the Holy Spirit. Uh, maybe part of a, some church, the Pentecostal church, where they swing from chandeliers. And um, I've never seen a chandelier in a church, and I've never seen anybody swinging from them. But they tell me it happens. But some of you may have history. So when I begin to speak about the Holy Spirit... You get nervous, but I want to encourage you not to be nervous. Jesus said, when he left, he said, I'm going to go away, and it's good for you. It's to your advantage that I leave, because if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit won't come. And he's the one who's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. Make no mistake about it, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is God. He is part of the Trinity, the fellowship of the Trinity, and he is the one who is here with us as God's representative on the earth in these days living and breathing in us and through us and all around us and accomplishing God's plan in the earth. And so it's important for us to, to, to study, to discover, to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us and who he is, recognizing him. We don't want to ignore him. We want to embrace him. We, won't, we don't want to push him away because we're uncomfortable. We want to embrace him and all that he is. So today we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. As soon as I say the power of the Holy Spirit, lots of images come into your mind. Maybe you think about um, an evangelist standing and praying for people and smacking them on the forehead and then flying onto the ground. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> like the kids know it as being slaughtered in the Spirit. Maybe that's what comes into your mind. Maybe you think about people being healed. Maybe you think about the power of God coming on a person and they respond in some strange way or strange manner. Maybe you, th maybe you think about the power of the Holy Spirit and you, you think about being born again. And in, and in each case, I think you'd be right to describe the power of the Holy Spirit in those terms. That, that, that does happen to people. People do experience the Holy Spirit in different ways. They respond to him when he comes upon them or into them. There's a, there's a supernatural process that is um, difficult sometimes to define. Make no mistake, it is supernatural. It is a spirit. He is holy. He does possess you and me. We're possessed by a spirit. His name is holy. And... And so I want to talk about the power 
of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about the person. We've talked about the promise. We've talked about the, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, how he speaks to us. We've talked about the presence of the Holy Spirit among us. Let's read in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Here's what it says. It says, after, let's see, wait, uh, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Now, this is Jesus, just a little context. Jesus speaking to his disciples after he had risen from the dead. And so he was speaking with them and eating together. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. You should underline that word gift. If you have a little pen and paper, you should write that word down. It's a gift to you. It's a gift that's wonderful. It's a gift that he's promised. Jesus is saying, wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. By the way, just to pause and reflect, if you're curious about more and more things about the Holy Spirit, Jesus talks about that in, this in John 14 through 16. John 14, 15, and 16. Great study. If you want to read about the Holy Spirit, what Jesus said about it, you need, to, you need to take time to read some of that. You could read in the book of Acts. In fact, the Acts of the Apostles is the name of the book, but it could be termed the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it is the Holy Spirit coming into the life of the church and his demonstration of power in the book of Acts. Uh, also, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is another place where you can understand how the Holy Spirit works and who he is. So back to Jesus, he's saying, I want you to wait here for the gift my father promised, and which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Underline that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, what does the word baptism mean? Baptized, it means to be immersed, to be consumed, to be overwhelmed, to be saturated, to plunge in, to be plunged. That's what the word baptism means. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an overwhelming, overwhelming, saturating effect of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is actually saying something that John said in Matthew 3.11. We won't take time to turn there, but I'll just say it to you. Matthew 3.11 is where John the Baptist said, I'm baptizing you with water for repentance. And he said, but there is one who is coming, whose sandals I'm not even really worthy of carrying or untying he said, he is going to baptize you, and he, what John said was, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, fire. <laughs> in Mexico, they call it fuego. <laughs> There's something about the power of the Holy Spirit here, and Jesus says, I'm not baptizing you with water, but listen, we practice water baptism. I think it is identifying with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. There's something very powerful about that. But then there's something else that Jesus is speaking about, and he's speaking to his disciples. He's saying, wait for it. It's coming. I want you to be immersed and baptized, consumed in the Holy Spirit. So then let's read the rest of it. He says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. He essentially says, that's none of your business. And then verse 8, he says, but 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This makes it clear that the Holy Spirit poured out on us and being poured out in Acts chapter 2, which is the next chapter we'll look at, is about power. It's about God's power flowing through you. It's about God's power flowing through us. It is given to make you powerful. But the question is power for what? Power for what? Because I think we have all kinds of designs on what the Holy Spirit's power is supposed to do in us. He's supposed to, he's supposed to help us overcome sin, right? The power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit lives in us and helps us in our weaknesses. It gives us strength, power to overcome sin in difficult situations. But that is not his only or even his primary role, actually. The primary role for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you know what it is? It's the power to be a witness. It's the power to be a witness. What is a witness? A person who tells what they've seen and heard. A person who tells what they have seen and heard. They witness something, they tell about it in court. You, 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 if you were a, a witness in a courtroom then you would tell what you'd seen and heard. It's not your job as a witness to convict a person or to free them. It is your job to just tell what you saw and heard. If you want to go deeper into the meaning of the word witness, there's another meaning regarding martyrs. Witness means martyr. Martyr. What that means is giving yourself up. The power of the Holy Spirit is to give yourself up. Go with me, for others. Give yourself up for others. To be a witness for others. Push over to Acts chapter 2. Go over to Acts chapter 2. I want to just read the first part of Acts 2 and so we get context. Verse 1 says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now that is weird. That's weird stuff. A big rushing wind. And then little dancing fire on each of their heads. Verse 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now I want you to notice here, verse 5, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. People were here from all over the planet. They were in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. They were here to celebrate what God had done in Jerusalem. And so the Holy Spirit comes on this group, this group of about 120, 
And they began to speak in the tongues of the people who were there, in the languages of the people who were there. Skip down to verse 11, because everything between 6 and 11 is about all the different types of people who were there. Hearing each of these people in their own language, but I want you to see verse 11. It says, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? I want you to underline that little phrase, the wonders of God. What was happening here is the disciples were speaking in languages that they didn't know. We'll talk about this next week a little bit more. But why were they talking in languages that they didn't know? So that the people who were in town from other nations could hear the message about the wonders of God through Jesus Christ. The purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is so that the wonders of God could be revealed. The wonders of God being revealed to other people. If you want to tell others about the wonders of God, you yourself, if you want to be engaged in this same activity of telling other people about the wonders of God, the Holy Spirit is your helper, the Bible says. Jesus actually said it in John 14, 16, in verse 26, John 15, 26. In the New American Standard Bible, New American Standard, it says in each of those cases, he calls the Holy Spirit the helper. In the NIV, he says counselor, the one who counsels you, the one who helps you, the one who helps you figure it out. The helper is coming to help you. To help you do what? To help you speak to others. To help you serve others. Now, let's just back up a little bit and go to 1 Corinthians. If you turn over to the right, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. We'll start there. This is what... This is a common passage where the Apostle Paul is talking about the power of God, the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. So the Apostle Paul is telling them about who God is. He said, It wasn't with eloquence or superior wisdom, for I have resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with a wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Underline that little phrase. Demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on what I say or my great argument or how eloquent I am or how able I am at explaining who Jesus is, but your faith would not rest on those words but on the power of God. God's power. See, the Holy Spirit is given to us, not for ourselves, but for others. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that others can experience him. I want to say this little phrase to you. It's not about, it's, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, it's not just about you having an experience. It's about you helping others experience God. 
It's not about you having an experience. It's about you helping others experience God. You should write that down. I'm going to say it one more time. It's not just about you having an experience. It's about you helping others experience God. This is one of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit being poured out in people's lives. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for this purpose. Now, the Apostle Paul, here in 1 Corinthians 2, he's saying, I want to come to you, not with words, not, not, not um, an, an eloquence of speech. I want to come to you with God's power so that I can demonstrate God's power to you. So he's talking about a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So what is the demonstration of the Spirit's power? I believe that if you read on in chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6 in 1 Corinthians, what you will find is he is describing what the demonstration of the Spirit's power is. He's describing what the demonstration of the Spirit's power is. And I'll just give you a sampling of what it is. He's addressing division in the church. He's like, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't be divisive with one another. You shouldn't be dividing against one another. The Holy Spirit is not for you to divide. It's for you to unify. It's for you to connect. The demonstration of the Spirit's power is unity. He talks about prideful attitudes towards others. You th- he, talks about, he talks about how this shouldn't be the way a church that believes in God's spirit acts. He's defining for them what the demonstration of the spirit's power is. The demonstration of the spirit's power is when people love one another and serve one another. He's addressing immorality. He's dealing with immoral people in the church. He's he's dealing with lawsuits among believers. He's saying you shouldn't have lawsuits against each other. You shouldn't you shouldn't go out into the, the world into the secular place and fight in front of unbelievers. You should settle the matters within the church. He's saying it's embarrassing for you if you do, do it this way. If you, if you kind of air your dirty laundry out in the world. It's not right. The demonstration of the Spirit's power is being able to work it out within the church and work it out with, with one another. The Holy Spirit's power, the demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power is being moral and living ethically, caring for another, for another person. He's talking about marriage principles. He's saying the Holy Spirit is, the demonstration of the Spirit's power is when marriages stay together and they serve one another in mutual self-giving and love. Demonstration of the Spirit's power is when you get finally to chapter 8, the Apostle Paul, he's on this, he is on this, this role, and he's talking about how people interact with one another. And finally, he says, look, if there's anything that makes your brother stumble, you should not participate in it. Because making sure that your brother is okay and, and is not offended by you, by your freedom, is a really important idea. Do you, are you, do you see where I'm headed with this? The demonstration of the Spirit's power is not for you alone. It's for others and how you, in, how you interact with others. Consider the fruit of the Spirit, if you will, for a moment. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, self-control. How do you measure them? How do you measure the fruit of the Spirit? You have to be in relationship with other people. Because you have to be patient with somebody who is not very easy to be patient with. 
The demonstration of the Spirit's power, the fruit of the Spirit, is being able to be patient with another person. Being consumed and baptized in the Holy Spirit is about this very process. So I want to I get you away from it's a thing that God's doing to me. Like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he comes on me and, I, and I'm overwhelmed and I'm consumed. And, oh, it's so great. And I speak in some kind of foreign language. Okay, that may happen. But you understand, and next week we'll talk a little bit more about glossolalia, which is praying in tongues. I know, fun word to know and say. But I want you to see the why. I want you to see the purpose behind it. There's something more than just that experience. So if you think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which with the Apostle Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, it's all about how the body serves one another, how they share with one another. These are the gifts of the Spirit. So everything about the Holy Spirit. Now some people, some people resist the Holy Spirit. Sadly, some Christians ignore the Holy Spirit because they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable with the mystery. They don't know exactly how to embrace him. They don't want to do something crazy or weird. And so they just put up some defense walls. People in the world, they know they should, what they should do. They know they should do the right thing. They know they should say the right thing. We all know what it is we should say. We all know what it is we should do, but somehow we don't have the power to do it. The Holy Spirit gives you the power to serve, to love, to share with others to be a witness of God's power, God's strength, God's wisdom in the earth. Now here's how it works, because now you're thinking to yourself, okay, so what is this that I need? Because don't I have all of the Holy Spirit when I get saved? Don't I come to Christ and I have the, the Holy Spirit and he's living in me? Well, yes, the Holy Spirit dwells in you when, when you receive the work of Christ God comes into your life and you are born again. There's no doubt about it. John chapter 3 verse 8 talks about it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, I, I, you are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things become new. Yes, the Holy Spirit lives in us. We become his dwelling place when we accept the work of Christ, when we repent and believe. Do you remember John's baptism? When we repent and believe, that's a baptism of salvation. Jesus is coming to bring a baptism or an immersion in the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's no doubt that you have the Holy Spirit. He is alive and working inside of you. What's coming is a surrender. What, what, what's coming is a surrender or an immersion, uh, 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 consuming with the Holy Spirit, Him directing our lives. Now, some people, they resist this and they... They try to do their, their best on their own. And you've even tried your hand at it, I'm sure, where you're trying to be good enough. You're trying to be nice to that guy at work. He's such an annoying mess. And you're trying to be nice to him. Or maybe in your marriage or with your kids, you're trying to do the right thing, but somehow you're like, oh, oh it made me so mad I can't stand it. See, the Holy Spirit wants to facilitate that for you. He wants to make it easier for you. This is what it would be like. It's be like you insisting that you must go and grow all your own food. 
You must plant all your own food, harvest it, make sure you water it, make sure you feed it, make sure it, it takes the time that it takes and get to the end and harvest it and then make it all yourself versus going to Whole Foods. The Holy Spirit's like Whole Foods. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been to Whole Foods? I know, I know. They call it Whole Paycheck, but it's, but it's a... I can't afford to eat very much there, but, I, but when you go in, it's like a wonderland of gifts and beautiful things and beautiful cheeses and wonderful organic foods that are good for you. This is what the Holy Spirit is like. He wants to facilitate you like Whole Foods facilitates us. You can work at it. You can work at making all the food yourself and try to make it all happen yourself. It's just so hard. Yeah, well, you know. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is our model. If you go over to Luke chapter 3, Luke chapter 3, he went through this same pattern. Verse 21, Luke 3, verse 21 He's, he's the model for us. He was the, what the Bible calls the firstborn among many brothers. He was the first one to go through this process. Verse 21 says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened. So John is baptizing him. John, he's convinced John that he needs to baptize him in water. John says to him, we see that we recorded in Luke, he says, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, nope, this is how it needs to be. And so John baptizes him with water. But when he baptizes him with water, signifying his commitment to his father and his obedience, what happens? The sky opens up. Here's what happens. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And the voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then notice what verse 23 says. Now Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. Something pretty significant happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus. Now, question for you. Jesus is born of a virgin from the Spirit of God. Was the Spirit of God in him when he was born? Yes. The Spirit of God was in him. The Spirit, he, he had the mark of God's Spirit in him, no doubt about it. Because he was... God and 100% man. It's a a miraculous thing through this virgin birth. So God God had his spirit living in Jesus, but then something happened at 30 years old that was different. Something changed in the life of Jesus, in God's sovereignty and in his plan and in his purpose for Jesus. At 30 years old, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, and what happens? Miracles start happening. The power of God comes into him in a new way. There was a surrender, and you know what happens right after this? <laughs> it says the Spirit led him into the desert to be tempted. Oh, bummer. <laughs> what Jesus was doing was, was surrendering to the leadership of the Spirit. He was surrendering to the leadership of the Spirit in a new way. He's our model for that. Jesus was the firstborn among many brothers. He's the one we follow. Now, Jesus 
breathes on his disciples then and says, receive the Holy Spirit in John chapter 20. Turn over there, John chapter 20, and this is kind of where we'll finish. John chapter 20, I want you to see this. John chapter 20 and verse 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. All right, so Jesus is already risen from the dead. But the disciples are still freaked out. They don't know exactly what's happened. The tomb is empty. They're locked inside of a room, praying, trying to figure things out. And Jesus shows up and stood among them. Another, one of the other gospels says he came through the wall and said, peace be with you. I always like to say, well, stop scaring me. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, notice these words, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Sending you to who? To people everywhere. I've been sent by the Father to serve people. Now I'm sending you to serve everyone else. I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. (sighs) I don't know. It's just fun. Illustrated Bible is fun. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What he was giving them was authority and responsibility. He was giving them something. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. You are the people now who have been born of the Spirit. What he talked about in John chapter 3 under cover of night to Nicodemus, said the wind of the Spirit, the wind blows where it wants to. This is how the Spirit of God works. Jesus is breathing on them. He's saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, okay, so how do you justify receive the Holy Spirit here with what we read in Acts chapter 1? Wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The only way to reconcile it is to understand what was happening is you have the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He is in you. But what's coming is a a deeper surrender, a mo- uh, 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 an immersion, uh, an overwhelming sense of his spirit, a leadership that he takes in your life, that you're willing to lay down your life, that you're willing to be a witness, that you're willing to serve other people. That's what he's, that's what he's telling him is coming. And so if you look over to Acts chapter 1, you can see the, the disciples, we won't take time to read it, I'll just tell you about it. They were essentially locked in a room praying. If you read through Acts chapter 1, which I encourage you to do, you will see 120 of them locked in a room having a members-only meeting. Members-only meeting, and they're praying, and there it says all the disciples there, and then the, all, all the other people were there, about 120 people, and they're just trying to figure things out, not sure what's going to happen. And then they need to do some business, so they have a board meeting, and they vote a new guy on. No, they really do. Look. Verse 21 in chapter 1, look what it says. Therefore, it, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us to this resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen 
to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, are board meetings important? Sure, you got to have them, right? We have a, we have a church, we have a church government, we got to do those things. Is it important to have prayer meetings? Yes, so I'm not saying that these are evil, mean things. What I'm saying is, is that they were closed. They were consumed in what was happening in them. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit pushed them out of what they were doing and into what God was doing in others. That's good, people. He was breaking them out of their inner room. He was breaking them out of their, uh, their, their own being consumed with what was going on with them and what was going on around them. He wanted, to, he wanted to break them out into his purpose and his plan for the nations, his purpose and his plan for other people. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. That's what it does. It facilitates God's plan in you, through you. Yes, for you, but into other people. And you, make no mistake, if you believe in Jesus and you've repented and believed, then you have the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about is flipping the switch. I'm talking about giving over to the power like this light bulb. Holy Spirit is a lot like this light bulb. In Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit came on them and they surrendered to it. And the light came on. They saw the world as God saw it. They saw what was happening. It revealed something to them about what God was trying to do. Was it just for them? No, the light is not just for you. The light is not just for you to have a great experience and to see better. The light is for other people to see around you. So what we're talking about when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is just being open to his power, open to his authority, open to being immersed by him, open to being consumed by him. And you can receive him in his power, he can baptize you anytime that you'll let him. It doesn't take any special hocus pocus or anything from some pastor or some other really mature person, although I think that's helpful. Next week, we're going to pray over people uh, on our night of worship. We're going to pray over people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're curious, if you're, if you're trying to figure this thing out, if you want more of who God is, that then come and let us pray for you. It's not going to be a weird deal. It's going to be very normal Unless it's not. <laughs> but, but I myself am interested in helping people understand who he is and what he's doing in your life. I just, I don't, I, so, so, so there's a mysterious element of when he connects with a person or when he overcomes a person. But I want us to be the kind of church that will be willing to explain it, to be able to say, here's why we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because he empowers us to be witnesses. He empowers us to serve others. He empowers us to care for other people. That's why we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. All over the room, we sense your presence and we sense you speaking to us. You've spoken to many of us in the room about our need for you, our desire for you. So Holy Spirit, we want you to know we acknowledge you. We welcome you. We want you to immerse us 
in who you are. We want you to pour yourself out on us, over us, in us, through us. We want to be consumed by you, saturated by you. We want to live in such a way that we can share the light of the gospel, the message. But we know people can't see that light unless the Holy Spirit's involved. And so would you help us? Would you give us strength? Would you overwhelm us? Would you baptize us? So that we can do what you want us to do. So that we can share the message. So that we can speak into the life of another person. I thank you for this, Lord. We receive from you. We receive from you now.